Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Joel Embiid. That's it. That's my take. Joel Embiid. Rack me, I'm out. Rack him. That's your take. Joel Embiid. Because there's nobody else like this guy. Because there's nobody else doing these things. Green, the angles up toward the rim. It gives to Embiid. He'll turn. Got him. on him it doesn't matter it's Joel Embiid's world we're just living in it right now Joel effing Embiid if you need him such an absolutely amazing moment you know it's an incredible moment when the opposing radio announcers call it and sound like this you got to protect the basket right now because something's going up above the rim Embiid free good wow they're gonna review it wow with nine tenths of a second they're going to review it. I love everything about that. You have to protect the basket because you know something is going above the rim. Yeah, either that or a seven-footer is going to catch it, fall away, turn around, knock down a three-bomb. The call, quote, Embiid, three, good, wow. Embiid, three, good, wow. Yeah, I can't decide what's better. The shot or the call from the Raptors radio team. That sounded like a hostage video. Or like somebody just saw their dog get run over. Like they were in utter shock. They can't believe what they just saw. They don't even have words. They're completely incapable of articulating anything other than, uh, wow. Good. Good. They're going to review it. You know why they said good, wow? Because you can't be on the air and go F-bomb. Wow. I mean, I get it because Joel Embiid just absolutely went in there and ripped the hearts out of their collective chess. That ended the series. In reality, if not in fact. Wow. You know, on the one hand, it's not even like it's a good shot. It's not even like it's a good idea. Not in the classic basketball sense. You know, that announcer who said, you have to protect the rim. Something's going up over the rim. That would be the logical play. I mean, who the hell is going to draw up a fallaway three-footer or three-pointer from a seven-footer in that situation? That is such a bad idea. But the thing is, it's a good shot and a good idea, given the legend we're talking about right here. Here's a freaking stat. Joel hit 42% of those shots that he took from 25 feet or further with less than four seconds on the shot clock. Take that bleep for data. Take that for That's data. an amazing stat. A center, a classic big, pulling up like Steph from deep in pressure moments. Wow. And the guy did it after playing a brutal first half. Joel himself said it. I played like crap in the first half. That first half was uh, as bad of a half I could have played. You know, just throwing reckless passes, you know, just not taking care of the ball, you know, not really being involved in the offense and not being aggressive enough. And, you know, that let me hear about it. 
So, Joel, he's so right. That's all true. Raptor fan did let him hear about it. Roughly 20,000 of them let him hear about it, including one Aubrey Drake Graham. According to Tobias Harris, Drake was making noise in the first half about Embiid saying, he can't play here. He can't play here. Yeah, I hate to say it, Obs, but he can. He can. Like, I love Toronto. I love the organization. I love the people involved. I love the fans. However, your takes, OBS, are even worse than your gambling picks. And apparently no one is worse at that than you are, Aubrey. Not my take, but Colby Covington's. Drake, you suck at sports betting. Go back to your little albums of rapping. There's a lot to dislike about Colby, but not that. Not that. That's like the goat. I got to hear that one more time. Drake, you suck at sports betting. Go back to your little albums and rapping. Drake, you suck at sports betting. Go back to your bleeping little albums and rapping. Like, he's right about that. At least about your prediction. You were wrong about that fight, Aubrey. And you're dead wrong when you say that Joe can't play there. But if you've got a minute, would you mind telling me what you're going to hit tonight? I've cooled off after a recent heater. My confidence is a little bit shaken. I need to know what you're going to hit tonight, Obs, so I can fade all your action right now. I got to get right. Drake, you suck at sports betting. Go back to your little album. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you suck at sports betting, although you do. And I'm not even saying go back to your bleepy little albums and rapping. I'm just saying, could you let me know, can you let me in about what you're going to hit tonight? Because I will fade you. I need something to work with. Back to the legend that is Joel. Again, a seven-footer draining that shot. A seven-footer hitting that three in that moment. And again, we're not talking about a stretch four or a five. We're not talking about Dirk or KD who make their money on the perimeter. We're talking about a seven-footer who goes nearly three bills, who bangs in the paint, but can hit that silky smooth bomb from deep. Remember yesterday, Chris Mannix and I were talking about how smooth Joe is, how many different looks he's got in his bag, and he was smooth as hell out there. Like, I still am in awe of how he finished that game. I'm still in awe of how he made that shot. And there was still time left on the clock, but Toronto could not do anything about it. And when the game was finally over, when the game was finally over, you just knew that Joe was going to let everybody know about it. Kananobi gets off the shot, but not in time. Philadelphia survives in overtime. Joe Embiid, the most improbable fallaway three-pointer to give Philadelphia the win. 104 to 101. Such good sound. That's Joe. That's Joe saying, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Listen. Improbable fallaway three-pointer to give Philadelphia the win. 104 to 101. Hell yeah, hell yeah. The we did it. We did it guy. We did it guy from back in the day. Can't believe how well and how hot the mics were that caught Joel right there. And if you think that Troel Embiid was not going to have something for Drake when it was over, then you do not know the icon that is Troel. Yeah. 
In case you missed that, that was Joel bumping Drake and telling him, and I quote, that's what you call an effing superstar. Get your ass out. I'm coming for that sweep too. Now that you know what I just said, listen to this again carefully. That's him telling Drake to his face. That's what you call a bleeping superstar. Get your ass out. I'm coming for the sweep too. Of course he was going to find the team ambassador and bust his ass. Of course he was going to let Drake know exactly what just happened in their house. Because the only thing more Joe than making that shot would be making that shot and then talking junk about it. He's coming for the sweep. And frankly, as much as I love Toronto, they should let him have it. There is still not or there is still another game to go. But I would not blame the Raptors if they just picked up their putt and conceded. Just pass on it forfeit head off into the offseason there is no need to waste your time or anybody else's time with a gentleman sweep here just go with the old-fashioned sweep whatever you do do not let joe come back into your house and do you like that again because if he does finish off that sweep you will never hear the end of it you are so much better off just conceding concede the fourth game otherwise Joe's gonna come in there and he's gonna do you again and there's gonna be a whole bunch of hell yeah hell yeah hell yeah the most improbable follow-away you don't want that Raptor fan Aubrey I know you don't want that hey listen I love Nick Nurse one of my favorite coaches ever Nick Nurse is such a good coach I would never tell Nick Nurse what to do however my man this thing is done you would have a better chance taking the Lakers to the NBA Finals next season than winning this series. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Have you been watching Winning Time? I know Jerry West has. Anyway, I consider myself somewhat of a prodigious wordsmith, but even I'm having trouble finding the words to describe exactly what Joel is doing to the Raptors. If I could paint a picture, like, I, I don't have the words, so let me attempt to paint the picture. Imagine this. Imagine being 30,000 feet in the air. Imagine being on a JetBlue flight. Imagine Mike Tyson's on that flight. Imagine Joel is Mike Tyson. And imagine Joel is Mike Tyson and Mike slash Joel are minding their own damn business, staying in themselves. And then you have these idiots, the idiots being the Raptors, and they're annoying Mike slash Joel. They're harassing him. Then you know what happens. Hey, Somebody hey, gets hey, their hey, face hey. messed up. Hey, Mike, Mike, come on. Let's go stop back. There's a worse, man. That's the sound of Mike's fists hitting some idiot's face. Is there a worse idea than annoying Mike Tyson? We just got Is beat up a, by Mike Tyson. We just got beat up by Mike Tyson, exactly. Is there a worse idea, not only than annoying Mike Tyson, 
But in knowing Mike Tyson when he's not bothering anybody at all? Maybe more on that later. Turn that way. Yeah, he got up. Just trying to ask for an autograph, man. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I'm guessing that just, I, I don't know what happened either. But I'm willing to bet almost anything at all that you didn't just ask for an autograph or Mike wouldn't have given you damn hands. And you would not be sporting damn bruises. You gotta be an idiot to mess with Mike Tyson. And again, I'm a prodigious wordsmith, and there's a better word than idiot. I just can't use it here. Oh, yeah. I love that sound. Always makes me smile because that is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big business so upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Listen. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Entrepreneurs know this. You would not even believe what we started selling when we started this podcast. In fact, I don't even want to get into it. But we have moved so far beyond that, and I am not stopping there because success is a million milestones on a forever evolving path. And the great thing about Shopify is it has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. But don't take my word for it. Try it yourself. Find out what I already know. Go to shopify.com slash Rome, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Again, go to shopify.com slash Rome right now. Find out for yourself. Shopify.com slash Rome. Wandale Robinson is my guest. Wandale, great to have you on. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Listen, before we talk about the draft, I want to go back a little bit. In fact, I want to go all the way back when you were playing peewee football. When did you first start playing ball, and what do you remember about the early days? Um, so I started playing when I was five years old. Um, my dad, he actually had to get a birth certificate that wasn't mine so I could start playing. Um, I was really, I was too young to start playing tackle. Um, so that's kind of how I started, and then just from there, it just took off, and that was really all I ever wanted to do was really just play football. So, All right, so it sounds like a pretty innocent question, but the reason I asked that is because, and you mentioned the birth certificate aspect, but I ask you because there were highlights of you as a kid that are just amazing. Like you were carving up <laughs> opposing defenses. What was the team's offensive scheme like, and is it true that after one game, a referee asked you for your autograph? Yeah, um, that is true. Um, but I mean, really, just all throughout Little League, that was just kind of how I had always been. It was just kind of just get the ball and um, just run around to everybody, make everybody miss and do that kind of thing. So um, that's just kind of how it was in Little League. But yeah, after one of my games, um, like one of our championship games, the referee came up and asked for my autograph when I was about eight. So yeah. <laughs> That's incredible, dude. Like, did that seem – I mean, could you even process that? What eight-year-old is signing autographs for adults? Did that just seem kind of normal? Or were you like, dude, this is really weird? I mean, well, I just kind of looked at my mom, and I was just kind of like, I mean, is this what? Is this kind of normal? Like, I didn't really expect it. Um, obviously, I mean, I had seen, like, my favorite players and stuff like that do it. And then um, whenever somebody asked me to do it, I was just like, wow, I mean, I guess this is 
this is what it's like and that's what it felt like and obviously as a kid I was really stoked and um, obviously somebody saw me as like one of the guys that played in the NFL so that's kind of how I looked at it so I would imagine if you're eight years old and adults were asking you for your autograph you start to think Matt maybe I'm different maybe maybe there's something here <laughs> so you're born in Frankfort Kentucky but you started your college career in Nebraska before coming back to Lexington what was that decision making process like and then how did it feel to be playing back home um, well, I mean, it, it was a really hard recruiting process and um, going there it was just a situation where um, Nebraska was the offense was just a little bit better suited for me at the time. And um, Kentucky was doing a lot of just running the ball down the hill, downhill and things like that. So um, just felt like it wasn't the best place for me. And then ultimately my mom, she had um, gotten COVID, which which sucked, but um, I wanted to get closer to her. And then Coach Cohen was able to um, get hired here at Kentucky and bring a new offense. So um it just ultimately led me back here, and it was just kind of the perfect fit and perfect timing. So, Wondell Robinson joining us. You mentioned Coach Cohen. So you played – he played – or actually he was the offensive coordinator of Kentucky, and now he's with the Rams. So you started to get into this, but what was it like when you went from Nebraska scheme to Kentucky scheme, and then how did your role change specifically? Um, well, I knew I was really going to play solely receiver. Um, <clears throat> I didn't have to do any of the running back stuff that I had to do in Nebraska. Um, like having no protections, having to know the really the run game schemes and things like that. Um, and then just the whole playbook was just the complete opposite. I mean, going from having a quarterback that's under center to um, being in the huddle and just different things like that. So it was just the complete opposite um, offense and just how everything was called and um, just everything, how everything was ran. So Yeah, I get that. But you know what's interesting is because of what you can do as a receiver and also carrying the ball, then the comparisons have been made between you and Debo Samuel. What's your reaction when you hear that comparison? And is he somebody you study? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, obviously last year, I mean, I'm a football junkie, so I'm gonna, I watch all the games and things like that. So I've obviously seen him play and seen all the things that he had to do. And, um, but, I mean, that's something that I'm, I mean, I pride myself on is being a versatile guy, being able to do a lot of different things. And um, if a team needs me to get back there and take 10 carries, I can do it. And um, if they need me to line up out wide and do whatever they need me to do at the receiver position, I can do it as well, too. So. Yeah, it seems like there's I, – I, I would call him one of one. In fact, when I sat with him in Super Bowl, I said, do you think you're one of one? He said, yes, I do. I, I don't think there's anybody else who can do what I can do. At the same time, when you can do what he can do or you can do what you can do, you're going to take some hits now. You're going to take some punishment. And your mm-hmm. coaches and draft evaluators talk about your toughness and your ability to take that big shot but just keep going. I'm curious, how much of that is about physical strength and preparing your body? And then how much of that is just mental and refusing to go down um i think it's both um that was something that i kind of had to get started on a little bit earlier i mean as a freshman coming into high school i knew i was really smaller and um my dad and everybody they just kind of knew i needed to be stronger and so that was one thing that um in high school i just kind of took apart took big um was lifting weights and being a strong guy so um even though that i was smaller i could still be strong and um, that would obviously tell me, help me with the hits and things like that. And then obviously when I got to college, it still paid off. And, um, but obviously you just got to be tough and um, you're going to take big hits. That's just part of football. So um, you just got to get back up, brush yourself off and get ready for the next play. Wondell Robinson joining us, getting ready for the upcoming NFL draft. So you're in the weight room and you're developing your body. You also figured out too that the most important muscle is the one between your ears. And then mm-hmm. you have to develop that football IQ. So what about your understanding of the game, which is really well respected? Where does that come from? And then how much does that help you on the field? Shoot, I mean, I think that just comes from watching it so much as I was a child and just as I've grown up, I mean, 
he asked my dad, asking what I fell asleep watching whenever I started playing football at five years old, and it was NFL Network. So um, I've always just kind of been in tune with the game of football and everything that's going on. And then as I got older, just um, as everything obviously starts getting more complex and things like that. So um, just being able to have an understanding of everything. You know, you mentioned your dad a couple of times. So let me ask you this. Your journey to this spot has not been easy at all. Your father, Dale, spent some time in prison. When you were growing Mm -hmm. up, a few years ago, he started a foundation that provides financial, emotional, and educational support to children of incarcerated parents. You told The Athletic, quote, sometimes I feel like it's a blessing that I went through what I did with my dad because I don't think I'd be the way I am without it. It made me grow up. Personally, I think that's a really incredibly mature thing to say. Where did that approach come from? Um, I mean, just over time, I just kind of just started just thinking. Um, there were times that obviously I just wanted to blame my dad for being gone. And, um, if things didn't go right, it was his fault. But at the end of the day, I knew that um, I can make my my own story and I can walk down my own path. And um, There were some things that obviously, I mean, if I didn't see how he went through things and um, the mistakes that he made, then I might have made those same mistakes. And just because uh, where we're from, not everybody really gets to have a chance to make it out like I did. And so just to have somebody that already went through those mistakes was just kind of big for me and just to realize um, these are the things you want to do. So Can I tell you, I think that's an amazing perspective for somebody your age. Your father said that you were one of the role models for the entire foundation. So what does it mean to you to be in that position, to be a role model, to have others look to you? And then maybe what kind of advice would you give kids that find themselves in a similar situation? I mean, yeah, that's that was really the big thing for me, especially with me kind of growing a role in the foundation and um, showing kids that you can make it out and you can um, go down your own path, like I said, with whatever you want to do, whether that be football, dancing, art, music, music, or whatever it may be. Um, just really just trying to show kids that you don't have to go down the same path that your parents went down. And, um, you can be your own person at the end of the day, just believing in yourself and um, trusting in yourself and not having to worry about what others think and um like I said, you can just be yourself. So Again, it's such a great perspective. So given your path and your journey, what do you think it's going to feel like to hear your name called at the draft and to know that you have fulfilled the dream of reaching the NFL? Any idea what that's going to feel like? I don't even know. I can't even really put that into words. That'll be something whenever it happens. Uh, we'll really see what that feels like right now. I still don't. It doesn't feel real. I don't think it'll feel real until I really get that call. So um, I'm just excited. So. Good for you. Wanda, really quickly, I, I have spent some time in Lexington. I love that town. Lex Vegas. For those who have never been, what would you tell them about Lex Vegas slash Lexington? It's a good town, dude. A really good town. Yeah. Uh-huh. If you're going to come, make sure you come when it's hot and warm. Get, you might be able to go to some Keeneland races. Don't know if anybody, whoever's listening, might knows what that is. That's a little horse track around here in Lexington. Oh, they know what it is, dude. I always remind them <laughs> of what it is. Keeneland's great, isn't it? For those, okay, yeah. so you've obviously done it. For those, help me explain Keeneland. Keeneland is so fun. It is a blast. If somebody's never been to the track or been to the races, what are they in store for if they go to Keeneland? Dude, just a bunch of fun. Uh, you, I mean, you'll just really see what Kentucky's like. Um, if you, if you like bourbon, uh, that's a big, that'll be a big thing. Uh, you like betting, like horse racing. And so that's really what, that's really the big thing. Keenan, everybody's just there having a good time, betting a lot of money. Who, so. who does not like bourbon and who does not like betting? I don't want to be friends with you if you don't like bourbon and you don't like betting. And, and by the way, it's beautiful. <laughs> Aesthetically, the track is beautiful. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. There are beautiful people. If the sun's out, you can't miss it. Wondell Robinson had a really nice college career getting ready for the upcoming NFL draft. It's 2022. The draft it begins Thursday in Vegas. Wondell, great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Good luck on that day, and I'll look forward to seeing where you end up.
Yes, sir. Thank you. So the best athletes know that your championship body is not built in a single day. The same is true when it comes to your long-term financial goals. Get financially fit with M1, the finance super app. It is commission-free, and it makes growing your money so much easier, and you can strategize for the end game. Build a custom portfolio or choose a pre-built portfolio that speaks to your goals. Then... Automate your everyday money moves and use your extra time to watch the highlights. They even make it easy to stick to your investing strategy by automatically rebalancing your investments every time you buy into your portfolio, keeping your investments close to where you want them. That way, your portfolio sticks to the plan for the long game. There are no huddle-ups necessary. So what you want to do is go to m1finance.com sports. That's m with the number one, and sign up and see why money, Investopedia, and Yahoo Finance are proud superfans of M1. So am I. That's M, the number one, dot com slash sports. Investing does involve risk, including the risk of loss. M1 Finance, LLC, member FINRA slash SIPC. I don't know about you, but I, I shouldn't have been so shocked, but I was in utter shock when I saw yesterday that Jay Wright is retiring. You know this is a huge Jay Wright house. I love Jay Wright. And when I think for a minute, like, it was stunning. And probably shouldn't have been. Jay Wright. Who has done a better job of setting up their life than Jay Wright? Jay Wright is only 60. And when I say only 60, I could certainly argue in his case, 60 being the new 50, 60 being the new 45. The guy looks like a million bucks. He still looks like a movie star. He still has got incredible energy. I mean, can I tell you, when I say things like, I want my next 25 to be my best 25, his next 25 could be his best 25, and I mean if he stays in the grind. Like, he's that good. They're that good. He does it the right way. It is so amazing to me what Jay Wright has accomplished. I mean, I'm saying as good a coach as there is. And when I say as good of a coach as there is, I don't just mean college basketball. I mean as good of a coach as there is. That good. As good of a basketball coach as that town, that town has ever seen. This guy is a legend. What he did at Villanova is absolutely incredible. Multiple Final Fours, two national championships, and the way he did it too. Not with one-and-donners, but with guys that were not necessarily five-star guys. The ultimate blue-chip guys but with culture and discipline and toughness and playing the right way and not greasy, didn't cheat, you know, like all class. And your favorite coach's favorite coach. Everybody loves this guy. Like, I'm shocked. This does not seem like a guy that was on the verge of burnout. But, but then again, this is what makes Jay Wright, Jay Wright. So smart, so good. And why not walk it off right now? And according to various reports, he's not doing it because he wants to go to the NBA. That's the other thing I absolutely love about Jay Wright. Jay Wright. Can you imagine how many other opportunities Jay Wright has had over the years? Jay Wright could have any bleeping job he wants in college or the NBA. The Lakers would cut off their arm to have Jay Wright right now. Jay Wright could have any job he wants. Jay Wright could have had any job that he wanted and never left Villanova. And what he accomplished there to me is just mind-blowing. Like, I could not respect or like or admire this guy any more than I do. 
So on the one hand, I'm kind of shocked. Like I think a lot of people were to see that he's stepping away. But on the other hand, not at all because that guy's way out in front of it. He's always been out in front of it, out in front of everybody and everything. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this turns into something else or maybe... Jay Wright's going to walk off and live his best life starting at age 60 when he's got his health. You know, it didn't, in in a profession that literally is so ruthless and eats people alive and chews them up, he looks great. And when I say he looks great, I don't just mean physically. Like, his energy is amazing. And he's going to walk it off at 60 and do whatever the hell he wants and presumably with probably a few bucks in the bank. Good for you, Jay. I'm going to miss the hell out of you and the boys. You know I'm going to miss the guys. Buff, Mook, the legends. Man, I wonder how they took it. They knew. They had to know. They're inside. They're fam. He probably had to run it through those guys before he did it. There's no way Jay Wright is calling it a day without checking with Buff. But that was shocking. But I'm happy for him. That's not a guy who's going to coach until he drops because he's got nothing else, man. My man. Man, George Clooney wishes he was Jay Wright. I love Jay Wright. He is a stone-cold mother bleeper. What a class act. Jay Wright. When Jay Wright was on the sidelines or on the court in those nice suits, and you know me, I like a nice suit. I'm a David August guy. He looks so good. And then when he decided, you know, I'm not about that, I'm going to dress it down, he still looks so good. He just has it. As always, it's impossible to explain or describe it, but you know it when you see it. And Jay Wright's got so much it. Jay Wright's like that guy that, you know, people, you know, like the gals want to get with and the guys all want to be. Jay Wright's that guy. Jay Wright's that guy that even the two cool for school players all think, man, dude's so cool. That's right. That's right. Stuart Elliott even thinks he's cool. That's right. Anyway, so those are my thoughts on Jay Wright. Like, I, the standard, man. In fact, there's been a lot made of the fact that since Coach K is walking, and notice how Jay Wright did it, and this is not in any way a judgment of Coach K. But Coach K did make the announcement, and Coach K got a year out of that announcement. Jay Wright just shocks the world and up and retires. Very Jay Wright, like very cool. Very, very cool. And not only up and shocks the world and retires in April, but not at 70 or 75, but at 60. Hey, clones, what do we want when we're craving protein and we need more energy? I'll tell you what we don't want. Bars, sugary snacks, energy drinks. Nah, we want beef, pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your father's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. No, Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. So it's tender and tasty. It's never tough. So why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. In other words, they take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein and comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. 
quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, anywhere at all. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality that you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Jamari Salyer is my guest. Jamari, good to have you on. How are you? I'm doing good, sir. How are you doing? I'm great. It's good to hear your voice. Listen, we are a week away from the draft, which means the evaluation process, evaluation process, I should say, is nearly over. But you went from winning the national championship to getting ready for the draft with the senior bowl and the combine slammed into the middle of it. I've got to ask, what's the entire experience been like for you the last few months? Uh, it's kind of been a blur, honestly. Um, kind of just moving from place to place, um, trying to accomplish one task and then moving right on to accomplishing another. And it's all for the greater good. So you kind of take got to take it one segment at a time. But it's kind of hard because everything moves so fast. Um, and, all, and in between all of that, you got to take some time to you know keep getting better as a football player. You know, it's uh, it's, it's tough, but uh, it's, it's the right kind of tough. I wouldn't rather have it any other way. What a great response. I like that. And I really like that part you said about there's so many things you have to get done and so many places you have to be, and you have to show up a certain way. And, oh, by the way, you have to get better as a football player while you're doing all those things. Now, you're from the ATL, so you know exactly what it means for Georgia and what that what football means to the entire state and what the national title means to Georgia. How much does it mean then to you to be a part of that team that broke that streak and brought that national championship home? Um, it's, it meant everything to me. I mean, like you said, I'm ATLian. Um, I was born here, raised here, and so it meant a lot to me. Um, uh, just just being a part of that team, it, it, meant, it meant a lot to win a championship, but it also just meant a, a lot to me to be a pivotal part of the team. Uh, I, I pride myself on being a team player, and so um, for me, just being a part of, of a big part of the team that helped, um, it, it, it gave me even greater pride to be a senior to be a leader on the team, to be voted a captain of this team. So uh, to me, just winning a championship this year just meant a whole lot to me to, to have the respect of my teammates, but to also send this, this team, this organization out in the right way as far as my tenure there. So um, I definitely enjoyed it. I enjoyed every bit of the experience. But like I said, it, uh, everything sped up real fast after we left Indy. So, uh, uh, yeah, it was amazing. Jamari Sawyer is joining us. You know, you mentioned how important it was for you to be a part of the team and that you were a captain, one of the guys who led from the front. As part of being that team, actually, you showed a lot of versatility. You played up and down the offensive line. One of the things you've said is, quote, everybody likes to put me in that box of an inside guy because of, quote, unquote, a lack of athleticism. But I played in the SEC for years, end of quote. So, I mean, you know, this is part of the draft prospect, right? They're always looking to nitpick. They're always looking to find something wrong. So when folks are trying to say that you're just an inside guy because of, quote, that lack of athleticism, how does that make you feel and what do you think? Uh, it's, it's kind of perplexing to me, uh, honestly, because, uh, you know, I've played um, at a premier position, uh, being a left tackle in, a, in the most premier league that you can play in in college football in the SEC. Um, and then I'm going outside of my league and played uh, even more premier um, edge rushers in college playoffs and then kicked off with um, an elite edge rusher, Miles Murphy, and the, the, the slew of elite rushers they had. So, And I played very, very good football. And so for me, it's always perplexing for me to hear that lack of athleticism thing because I've played, I've played elite football at a high level and I've done it at a, at a, very, high, at a very high clip. So um, it's always interesting for me to hear that, but I don't, I don't really get into – articles too much I just it, that catches my ears like when I hear my 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 scouting profile as a player is that the lack of athleticism continues to show up and that's interesting to me so 
uh, yeah, I just I just take it uh, with a grain of salt, and I just keep getting better at the things that I know that I can get better at as a football player. So. Hey, listen, I like that response, but I'm going to be specific about this in your defense. I mean, we're talking about a draft with a lot of pass rushers, guys like Aiden Hutchinson. He could be the first or second pick in the draft. When you faced him, you didn't just keep your quarterback clean. You absolutely buried this guy on one play. What do you remember about that matchup? And then is there any part of you that thinks, why are you questioning my athleticism but not his? Oh, I mean, well, first I want to start by saying I respect him as a football player. It took a lot of preparation for me uh, to get ready for him as a football player, especially in the environment that we'd be playing in. Um, and coming off of, uh, the injury that I had, I had an uh, injury that, that that occurred that I just came back from in the SEC Championship. So, um, yeah, just getting ready for that and, and that environment. is a whole slew of things kind of from a mental preparation standpoint and a physical uh, preparation standpoint for me, just going into that game, um, playing at Miami Heat, wanting to be in shape wanted to make sure that I was the, the best, basically, football player that I could be. And so uh, a lot of respect to him, hats off to him. You know, the last one of the last games I got to watch was him pretty much obliterate Ohio State. So, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a fun uh, preparation for me mentally. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, just in that matchup, I just kind of wanted to win with my set, just be, just be who I was. I didn't want to play into his game. I didn't want to play into what the Michigan defense wanted to do because I knew they wanted to live in third down. We knew they wanted to live in third down, but we knew that, our, that we dominated first and second down just as an offense being able to run the ball and, and stand in third and, and medium and third and short. And so just for me, when when third and long came, when third and medium came, I got excited. You know, it was an exciting matchup for me, whether it was 55 or 97. Both of them are elite pass rushers, and uh, I feel like I practice against elite players every single day. So for me, just getting that matchup, taking that matchup from practice to a Saturday to one of the biggest matchups of the season was a huge thing for me, and I was super excited for it. And um, I wanted to live up to the moment. I wanted to be ready for the moment, and I was ready, so. And you did. You were. Now, when I watch you play, something seems very clear, and hearing it right now, too, is that you love the physicality of football. In fact, you've said, quote, I'm a Georgia-bred, UGA, Georgia dog football player, and we are physical every single day. Hey, listen, I mean, this is part of the game, right? This is the biggest part of the game, but not everybody loves that level of physicality. What do you love about it so much? I think for me, just kind of imposing my will. You know, imposing my will – um, I know for us at Georgia, we train for, like I said, we train for that. We train for that in the offseason, in the heat, in the sun. Uh, we're doing team run every single day just to make sure that when it's time to physically beat and, and destroy our opponent, that in the fourth quarter they're tapping out or they're looking and then they got their hands on the hips. Like, we're ready to go. We're we, we ready to call inside zone. We're ready to go get down. We're ready to run duo, run run our plays. So, for us, man, we, we, we live for that moment. We live for in the fourth quarter when, when they're tapping out. That we're tapping in. We're tapping into into like like uh, Coach Smart always says. Uh, some people rise to the to the occasion, but uh, the Marines they seek into their training, and so that's the mindset I try to take into uh, that fourth quarter uh, mindset. Is just okay. I'm, I'm I'm weighing on this guy. I'm weighing on this guy. First, second quarter. First, second, third quarter. But fourth quarter, I can see it in his eyes. He's ready to tap, and that's the physicality I like to impose on my opponents. That that that, that that's what I mean by saying that I'm a Georgia bred football player. Is that um, when they get the run stuffed enough on defense, and then when they get you know, those three and four and five-yard games turning into 60, 70-yard games. Like, that's the fun part of the game for me as an offensive lineman. I love seeing my backs uh, score and hit big runs. I love seeing their face. I love the, when, the, when the crowd roars. It's just, just that's, the, that's the game of football. That's, that's where the passing comes from for me. So I love that. When they're tapping out, you're tapping in. Before you go, a couple of quick things. One of the things you've talked about, too, is the standard. The standard. You want to make sure you do things a certain way, the right way. What does the standard look like to you? And how do you live that out? Talk to me about the standard. 
Uh, I think the standard for me, which is another thing I learned from Georgia, is just being able to do things the right way, no matter the circumstance, no matter the environment. Um, I know for us, uh, it was just going out there and, and hammering it every single day. Like I said, we practice physical every single day. If we could put on pads and we didn't have to travel, we were going to have pads on. It's going to be physical. It's going to be a physical practice. So for us, and it, it didn't matter if you felt like doing it. If you had a, if you had a, a 12-hour day of classes, like no, you you got to get your mind right. You got to get ready to go. And I think that's kind of the professional feel that 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 one of the things that Georgia did for us um, as players is to, to prepare us for the pros is just that kind of that mindset of okay, today this happened, this happened, this happened. But when I hit this field, when I hit this locker room, when I hit this meeting room, there's a standard I got to uphold. I got to do things the right way. I got to make sure I'm a pro. I got to make sure I'm locked into the little details. And I think that's kind of how you get that standard. Dude, that is gold. That That is such an amazing mindset to have for somebody your age. I respect that very, very much. Before I let you go, I did mention at the very top, you've got the best Twitter bio I've seen in quite some time. Quote, just trying to get my mama a house. And then when you tweeted out your farewell no to Georgia, you said, time to get mama that house. How much does that motivate you, and what does it mean to now be in this position where it's almost time to get mama that house? Yeah, uh, for me, it's everything. I mean, uh, I'm not ashamed to say it. My mom's my girl. Uh, uh, we've been together since to, to, to the very beginning. You know, I mean, that's my mom. So um, I'm the oldest of three. So, uh, you know, it's just with those older older kids, the oldest kids, is kind of a different type of bond, bond, especially, you know, when it's just you and mom. So, uh, yeah, it's just me and my mom have a super tight bond. And I, I just want to see her be happy. At the end of the day, I want my mom to be happy. I want my grandma to be happy. I want my aunt to be happy. Those people that really raised me that are around to see you know, the fruits of their labor, you know, because I've seen my mom, you know, work hard, take double shifts, take extra shifts. She still does it now to this day. She just did it like a couple of days ago. So it still means a lot to me. And seeing her work that hard, it's, it's, it's nothing that I can't do when, my, when I know my mom's working. When I don't feel like it, I know my mom's at work. When I don't feel like it, I know my mom's working double shifts. So, you know, it's just for me, that's, that's always going to nip at, the, at my heels every single day when I'm working. And even when she doesn't have to do that anymore, I just know that I don't want to, uh, have to go back to there, and I don't want her to have to go back to that. So it just means a lot to me. It pushes me. It's my passion. It's my motivation. So it means everything to me. Um, and it, it just it's just more than a house. To me, uh, the house signifies my mom's happiness and her peace. So um, that's what it means to me. I'm telling you, dude. Like I've said this before, but if I could bottle what you're saying, I would be very rich. You and I could go into business together. We'd make a lot of money. One last thought. You talk about the really important stuff. That's the most important stuff that you just mentioned. But not far behind that, you did mention you picked up an air fryer. You called that a, quote, game changer. For those who do not have an air no fryer, doubt. what is it about that life? How did that change your life? Why do you love that so much? Oh, uh, I think you just gave me a different – me, I'm a foodie. I love food. I love food. And, uh, you know, for big guys, that could be a, a bad thing sometimes. So, you know, when you, when you come from – when you come from the, uh, I guess the the household that I come from, the deep southern cooking, you know everything's deep fried, everything is 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 cooked. You know what I'm saying? Grandma's gonna gonna whip it up for you. But for me, you know, I had to learn to take a step back from grandma. She didn't really like it that much at first, but I, I, we had to learn how to, you know, use a air fryer, learn how to uh, cook things in a better way, use better oils, uh, you know, figure out how to use um, uh, what I'm trying to say, uh, different types of herbs and stuff like that, just different different ways and different ways of better eating. Um, that would, you know, inevitably help prolong my career. And that's something that I'm trying to learn um, as I'm making this transition into the NFL. Because a lot of the vets talk about it, the nutrition, the different types of nutrition. So, uh, yeah, the air fryer, I guess, was my first step. And you can make some good food in the air fryer. So 
don't sleep on it. But uh, yeah, I try to I try to be be good with it. So. Hey, Chimar, I gotta ask you one last thing. I mean, this mindset that you have, this perspective, this approach, this standard. How much of this is what you picked up once you got to Georgia, and how much of this is stuff that you were working on maybe in high school or before? Uh, I think for me, just uh, my mom uh, talked a lot about accountability um, and integrity as a kid when I was younger. She talked. She taught me those things at a very young age. Uh, we didn't always have a lot, but we did. I always, we, our family was very morally based, and so uh, she taught me those things at a young age. I'm um, just doing things the right way, even when nobody's looking. Um, and so that was kind of taught to me at a young age. And obviously, you know, those things got refined to me. I've had great coaches along the way. Um, I had a great high school coach in Kevin Johnson and Chris Slay. You know. Uh, really just put poured a lot into me as a young man, helped me transition, helped me see things from a different way. Uh, Chris Lay was like a 10, 11-year vet in the NFL, so just seeing things from his perspective at a young age really helped me out a lot. And so um, even just moving on, and then just moving on to college, it kind of just got cemented in college. As a young man, um, you know, you get to see a lot, you get to test a lot of different waters, but ultimately you, you find out that the, that the standard separates the cream from the crop. You know, the people that's willing to live by that standard and do things the right way and take the tough, tough routes ultimately have the best results. And so, um, you know, and, it, and it's trial by fire. It truly is, especially in the SEC. You got to do things the right way, or you know, you'll you'll fall. You know, in these big campuses, these big schools, the NIL deals now. So, um, yeah, it's, it's that standard is, is getting harder and harder to live by. But you, you notice that the, the people that follow it ultimately rise to the top. So, yeah, do you just um, I, I choose that right every time. I'm sorry to interrupt you. That was such a great thing you just said. The standard is getting harder and harder to live by, but those that do follow it will rise to the top. That is an amazing statement. He is a national champion. He's an All-American. He's an All-SEC-er. He did put the bar up 31 times at the bench press at the Combine. He's got an amazing Twitter bio. And Jamari, I've done a lot of these things over the years, and I've done a lot of these things this year in preparation for this draft. This one is as good as any we've done. I could not be more impressed with you. Have a great draft day, and I'm really eager to see where you end up. And once you do find out where you're going to work and where you're going to live, I will be looking for you once again, man. Appreciate you very much. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. It's a blessing for you to have me. Thank you. Listen, with prices soaring at the pump, Discovery's got your back. With cash back. Use Discover to earn 5% cash back at gas stations and Target now through June on up to $1,500 in purchases when you activate. We know every single dollar matters right now, but you can count on us. Get up to $75 cash back this quarter with Discover It Card. Limitations do apply. Learn more at discover.com slash rewards. Discover.com slash rewards. Mac Brown. Mac, it is great to have you back. Mac, how are you? I'm doing great, Jim, as always. Thanks for having me on. Always good to have you on. So, Mac, I see you wrapped up your spring game a couple of weeks back. I'm curious, after spring practice, you said the two words that kept coming up, Mac, were competition and discipline. Why were those the two words that kept coming up? And then how pleased were you with the way they showed up on the field? Jim, our first year here, we exceeded expectations and had a chance to win nine games. We won seven. They'd only won five the previous two years. And then our second year, we did the same. We we stepped it up, and we go to the Orange Bowl, and they haven't done that here in 71 years. And then last year, we lost five great players to the NFL. We're rated eighth in preseason, which we were not good enough to be rated eighth. And uh, I, I thought we read the clippings more than we competed. So we, we needed to get back to all the little things that we were doing better the first two years and create that edge. And, and the first one is competition. I'm uh, sitting um, in, in the media side for five years. I saw so many teams that didn't play hard on Saturday. 
And I, and I said, I'll never coach a team again that doesn't play as hard as they can for 12, 13, 14 times every Saturday. Our teams did that the first two years. They didn't do that last year. We were inconsistent, and it just made me sick because I'm, I'm responsible for that. And, and if you allow it to happen, some in practice, and I, I remember last year Jim saying, watching the video again, guys, we've got to hustle. This isn't hustling. This isn't great effort. And if you're having to coach effort during practice, you're, you're missing something. So we, we thought the, those two words, we had too many penalties, we gave up too many explosive plays, we had too many sacks, we had too many tackles for loss. So we felt like, number one, you better compete every day in practice, and if that's your DNA, then you're going to compete in the games. Number, and it's simple, but it's hard to do. Number two, we, we had so many mistakes, mental errors, and and, and all the things I just mentioned. So we've got to go back and get discipline in the program. So probably more than anything else, we, we have three coaching changes that have all been wonderful. Uh, Coach Chiswick came in on defense and brought Charlton uh, Warren with him, who was, they were both here in 2015 and, and won uh, 11 games. They were with us at Texas, or, or Gene was, when we won the national championship. We bring Jack Bicknell in, who was the head coach at Louisiana Tech, and uh, seven-year NFL offensive line coach that was involved in, in a Super Bowl win with the Giants, and they have really, really helped us. But I think more than anything else, Jim, we just had to start over because we got a little full of ourselves. We moved so fast, and and you you better play hard every week because everybody's pretty good, and, and it's, it's, it's coaching and little things that separate you from other people. Uh, and, and that's something we didn't do a good job of last year. Mac Brown joining us. Hey, Mac, let me ask you something. Do you have any need for an undersized, middle-aged guy with no eligibility left? Put me in, Coach. I'm ready. I'm fired I, up I'm after that speech. So we're, 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 we will send that scholarship. Now you, you can do it easily. We can email it to you, and we'll get it back quick, Jim. All right, so what are my NIL possibilities? I, I love that response, Mac. That was that was straight fire. I mean, I, I can feel it in your gut. I can feel it in your heart. I know you mean that. Let me ask you, and you did touch on this, obviously, more than touched on it, but in your experience, what is more challenging for young athletes, dealing with success or dealing with adversity? I think definitely dealing with success. And, and we saw it. I was there 16 years at Texas, and 10 of those years we were really, really good, and then we were inconsistent in the end. And, and I, I made a few mistakes that I can look back now on, Jim. I would never use the word maintain again because it, there's a reason that people usually do not win championships back-to-back because you just cannot discipline yourself enough, in most cases, to do all the little things right and create that edge every day that puts you in a position to win the championship because you're too full of yourself and everybody's patting you on the back and telling you how great you are and you're believing it. And then everybody else has circled you and said, we, we've got to beat the, we got to beat this bunch. We've got to get after them. We've got to get this done. And, and you're walking around feeling good about yourself. So that's the most difficult thing. Uh, I like to fix things. And, and I, I don't like to mess them up, but I like to fix them. And that's a challenge, and it's got me stirred up this spring, and our team stirred up, and I really like this team. I like where we are. Last year, our, our uh, ratings and expectations were higher than our ability. Uh, this year, people are going to rate us low, and I, I think that's good for this team. We need to earn something before we start talking about it. 
Mac Brown, my guest. Mac, I hate to take conversation in front of millions of people and hundreds of stations, et cetera, et cetera, and personalize it, but I really am fascinated by this, and I want to ask you something. So I'm in the point of my life, Mac, where I've done this a long, long time, and I'm trying to find a way to make sure that my next 25 are my best 25 years, and that my best work is in front of me and not behind me. I'm trying to find a way to reclaim that same chip on the shoulder that I had on the way up where I was obsessed with it. Mac, I think you understand this. Like, you were in the broadcast booth for five years years and I'm hearing it. I'm hearing the the hunger. I'm hearing the fire. Do you feel like you want it as badly and are as willing to pay the price now as you were before you won that championship when you were younger and earlier in your career? Is it realistic to recreate that or maybe even increase and improve upon that? Uh, Jim, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons I was driven to get back in. You, you are who you are. You're, you're great at what you do, but this, this is what you do. And we do what we do, and I'm a coach. And, and that's what I realized when I got out. I miss the kids, and I miss the mentoring and all the things that, that sound like uh, when you're a coach talking, it sounds like coach speak, but it's really true. That's why we got in this business to start with. And, and now I've got enough money and I've won enough games, I can actually do all the things that I want to do as a coach. And, and that is try to help this young guy get through that adversity. We had a long talk today about mental health and, and all the issues with people and anxiety and depression and, and drugs and alcohol and suicide and all the things that we, we read and hear about every day uh, we talked about. Because I said, the summer's here. You're going to have more free time. You're going to have more people around you than normal. You're kind of out of your bubble. Um, and And... Sometimes you start talking about, well, coaches are too hard on kids. And I said, if we tell a receiver, if you drop balls, you can't play, I don't know how to say that any nicer. And if you drop balls, you're not going to play. So we can't say, hey, you know, man, don't don't drop any more balls because it's not as good. I mean, you, that's one of the great things about football. You can be direct. You, you've got to be able to handle criticism, constructive criticism, you're not going to berate the kids, and you're not going to cuss the kids and beat them down and grab them, but you got to coach them, and you got to coach them hard, and you got to push them. And at the same time in modern day, you, you've got to make sure that, like last year's team, has to reinvent itself. And one of the great things about college, you're a different team every year. It's a hard thing, but it's a great team uh, thing. I'm sitting here right now counting some votes that our team had for leadership, and it's so unique. We, we had the coaches pick who they thought were the leaders yesterday. We had the team vote on it today, and, and it's nearly exactly the same, Jim, and that's exciting for me because it means that we're, we're on the same page because you have to have player-led teams. But the, the thing that, that is so hard to do, and you've done it because I, I knew you in the way early years, and for you to be able to do this this long and have your fire and still be one of the best that's ever done it, is incredible because it's hard for us to consistently do something year after year after year without getting bored or people getting tired of us. And that's what Lou Holtz told me one time. You, you, can, you should only stay in a football program five years because seven's too long and ten's an eternity. And they get tired of you and you get tired of them. They get tired of your stories and you get tired of their questions. And you just need to move and start over again. Well, such a key in our lives is being able to reinvent ourselves where we are. And that's what I'm doing. The, the things that I, I, I couldn't fix last year. I felt them. I saw them, but I couldn't fix them. Uh, and I'm fixing them now. And, and that's really exciting. But uh, uh, I think as you get older, too, 
as long as you've got energy, the experience you and I have really helps us if we have energy and we can create the edge every day. When they say some older people shouldn't be in these positions, it's because they don't have the energy. But if you put energy with experience, uh, that's one of the greatest things in the world. And, and that's why um, I'm so excited about, I, I owe this team and, and this staff and, and this university the best that I've got every day to make sure we get their football program where it needs to be. My man, preach. Mac Brown joining us. God, Mac, I love that so much. I loved everything about that. What about the energy? Energy. That that word energy has never been so important to me and taken on so many different meanings to me. So, Mac, it, I agree with you. If you have the experience, it's outstanding. But without the energy, it's not nearly as effective. So how do you personally maintain? Okay, you know, you're right. Maintain is not the word because I think either we're getting better or we're getting worse and nobody's maintaining. How do you increase and enhance your energy at this point in your career? I am more uh, critical of myself than I've ever been. I listen better than I've ever listened. I, I love our staff. I trust our staff. I hired them to, to run this program. I ask them more questions every day, and, and I don't always do what they think, but I want to hear it. And I want to listen to everybody, and then I back off and, and make decisions. Probably in my younger days, I didn't want to listen to some, Jim, and I made quick decisions whether it was right or not. And I'll ask kids. I eat lunch with the players every day uh, that I'm in, in Chapel Hill, and I'll sit there and I'll, I'll ask them, uh, what do you like? What are you concerned about? What could be different in your life? How can your life be better with us? Because <clears throat> I want you to be treated as good as anybody in college football. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, and it, it's really, really good for me to hear all these different answers because then I can continue to help our program grow, and and that's the fun part for me. Uh, I want to take North Carolina back to where we had them when we were here before, but even further than that because, um, and, and I want to do it within the rules. I want to do it the right way with positive kids that are um, that are smart. And, and doing the right things and, and make something of themselves when they get out of here. Um, so people say, well, that's, that's old-timey. You can't do that anymore. You, you can. You just got to do it right, and, and you got to recruit the right kids that fits your place, and you got to hire the right staff that fits your place. And when you make a mistake, you've got to admit it, and you got to fix it. And I think that's the biggest thing. So many of us uh, won't listen. So many of us don't like criticism. Uh, and it's real, and, and we're we're in a country where um, I, I I like the fact that we can discuss it and be different, and and that's okay. I learned so much through social justice with with just that. So um, I, I'm at the best place I've ever been in my life, Jim. I'm the best coach I've ever been in my life, and what I've got to do is keep pushing myself to improve myself as a coach. Yeah. I'm in love with what I just heard, that at age 70, Mac, you feel like you are in the best place in your life and that you have never been a better coach. And and first of all, thank you very much for what you said about me, Mac. You and I have known each other so many years, and I mean this truthfully. I don't know that I've ever heard you more locked in, more focused, and in a better headspace, which is not to say that you were not all those things all those years, but I, it's really inspiring to me to hear you like this at this point in your life and in your career. Before I let you go, and this is a massive 
masterclass. I could do this for hours. I like this so much. But I want to ask you about quarterback Sam Howell. He's your former quarterback. You're going to hear his name called early in the draft. What have you told NFL teams about what they will be getting if they draft him? Uh, coach's son, Jim Ratt, uh, tough as nails, smart, calcula- calculated, competitive, can run, played hurt, um, so all of the things that you need in that quarterback room. And somebody's going to get really lucky to get him. We didn't help him as much last year as he needed to. So they need to look at the production he had the first two years. And then since we didn't protect as well last year, they need to look at how well he ran the ball because he was going to do whatever he needed to do to win the game. And, and the thing we know about quarterbacks, it's the most important position in our sport. He touches it every time. He's the guy that makes the difference. And if you don't have one, you don't get to the playoffs or the Super Bowl. Um, and and he's, he's that guy. So somebody's going to get really lucky to get him. I was chuckling about what you just said. If you don't have one, you don't get to the playoffs and you don't get to the Super Bowl. <laughs> we talk about this all the time, Mac, that in the NFL, that's exactly it. You know, there are those teams that have one and there are those teams that are looking for one and you don't get there without one. So final thought, because of everything you just said about him, replacing him certainly is going to be a challenge. So what are you looking for in a starting quarterback? You look for a guy that can lead your team and win games. And everybody says, well, he's not tall enough. Everybody says, well, he doesn't have the strong enough arm. He needs to be able to move the ball, make plays, not make mistakes, have the confidence of his team that he can carry him on his back and, and win. And, and that's not easy to do. And you, you go back to our years at Texas when we were the best is, is when you, you had guys like Vince Young who carried everybody on his back. You had Colt McCoy right after that, and both of them led us to – national championship games and one of them won the game and the other one got hurt after the fifth player I still feel good about our our chances that night so uh, coach we're all used to say it the best Jim the legendary coach at, at Texas he said those that have it make plays and win games and it is so hard to define because it means they're they have the magic when they walk in the room that everybody turns and looks at them they have the magic when they step in the huddle in that, that fourth quarter drive and, they, and they've got a smile on their face and, guys, this, we got this. This is good. We've got it. Instead of the guy that's got the sweaty palm sitting in the back that's nervous about the next play. And, and that's what Sam Howell had. We've got two young ones right now that are very talented that haven't played very much, but I'm equally as excited about watching those two compete and play because I think both of them have it. They've just got to carry it to the field and more experience. So, Mac, really quickly, one quick follow, and I'm sorry to keep you so long, but it, I love it. I love, I've always been fascinated by this concept of it. Can you teach it, and is it transferable? If somebody has it, can they rub it off on somebody else? I, I don't think you can teach it. They've got to have it, but they can rub it on somebody else. My very quick story, Jim, sure. was it? practice with Coach Royal, and a young high school coach came up, looked at Coach Royal and said, how can I be like you? And Coach Royal said, you got to have it. If you got it, you'll make it. If you don't have it, you won't make it. And if you don't know what it is, you got no chance to make it. Young guy looked at me, and I kind of shrugged my shoulders. Young guy turned around, walked off. Coach Royal said, hell, he ain't got it. (laughs) It's so good. 
So good. I don't know, Mac. Like, I, it's really funny to say that because before you came on, I was talking about it. I said I don't know how to describe it. I don't know how to explain it. But you know it when you see it. Yes, and, and that's the thing. Of, you got to have it at quarterback because is it is he a system quarterback? Uh, where his team so much better than everybody else, or does he have the magic touch? just to go win all the games. And Colt McCoy was one of those guys. I think Colt was a two-star or a three-star. Didn't have a lot of offers out of college, I mean, out of high school, but he had it. And when he'd go on the field, he knew he was going to win. Vince Young, everybody wanted to move to safety, a receiver, because they said he can't throw well enough. Well, he threw well enough to beat USC for a national championship, so he, he threw okay that day. Hey, Mac, I remember, I remember VY. After that national championship game, I had him on a show, and he walked in. I'm telling you, they, there was so much if. There are just certain guys, Mac, you know this. You've been around this your whole life. There's certain guys that when they walk into a room, there's a certain aura. There's a certain energy. Everybody stops and everybody stares. Two-star, five-star, whatever it is, you feel it. Like, it takes over the whole room, right? You just know it. Jim, it does, and that's the same thing in recruiting. You have to get a guy with it or enough guys with it. That fits your place and not your system. You can make your system fit the it, but they better fit your place. And I've learned something else, too, when I came back. Don't ever sign anybody that hasn't earned the right to be here. Don't ever hire anybody that hasn't earned the right to be here, and I got that from Coach Royal. But also, don't hire anybody or sign anybody that you don't like. Because Coach Jim Beckler was doing a game here in, in uh, 1994 after he'd quit at Michigan, obviously, and he's in, in the Hall of Fame. And I go to dinner with him, and I said, Coach, how do you recruit? How do you decide in the end who to take? And he said, that's easy. They're all good enough or they wouldn't be on your board. Their academics are good enough or you wouldn't be recruiting them. Take the ones you like because they're going to like you. And if they don't like you, if you don't like them, they're not going to like you. And if they don't like you in the fourth quarter, they're not going to play hard enough to win. Take the ones you like, and it all works out. Like I said, this is a master class. Mac Brown is the University of North Carolina head football coach. He is a two-time national coach of the year. He has that national championship. He has led two different programs to top five finishes. Mac, honestly, it's I want to apologize. I did not mean to take that much of your time, but I love the conversation. I love the relationship, and it's so good to get caught up. And I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts and giving us that kind of quality conversation today, Mac. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jim. When you get 70, you can say what you want to and what you think, and that, that makes a little bit of difference also. You betcha, Mac. You <laughs> love know and appreciate it. you, and thanks for having me on. Good night now!